Welcome back to episode 100 of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement. And I just got to say, 100? I made it to 100? I'm surprised I made it to five. So thank you, everyone out there, for helping us get to 100 and supporting the show. And speaking of support, if you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon Chess Journeys. And I want to thank Matt Bush, Jay Garrison, Donna Brooks Burgess, Brandon Hallside, David Schreiber, Lindsay Newhall, Jeff Peterson, and the newest member of the Queen Level Support, Tobiah Rex, cool name, and I sat two boards from him all tournament uh, at the National Open, so I got to keep an eye on how he was doing, so that was really fun. Uh, I've been streaming quite a bit on Dr. Skull underscore Tiny Grimes, and guess what? It's summer break now, which means I'm going to try to stream like every every weekday around noon Pacific. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'm going to try. We'll see what we can do. Um, I'm planning to put some videos about my recent tournament performance on uh, YouTube if you're interested in that. If you want to appear on the show, fill out the Google uh, form in the show notes. We all want to hear your story. And if for some reason you're interested in Noel Studer's cool next level training program from a couple episodes ago, well, you can use the code in the show notes and that also supports the show. So many different ways to support the show. All right, on to the show today. I'd like to bring in our, our extra special guest uh, for the 100th episode. We haven't talked to this person in a little bit. Uh, his name is Dr. Skull. He has a mildly successful podcast, and we thought we would do a recap with him of the National Open and his year in review. And now it would be kind of weird to just interview myself. Uh, so I brought in a special guest interviewer today. We've got Jay Garrison. He's been a multiple-time guest of the show an adult improver extraordinaire. And so, Jay, take it away. Well, hello, Kevin. How are you doing? And have you played any chess yet today? Oh, wow. It got turned on me like that, did it? Okay, well, I found the newest cool phone game to help adult improvers out there. Like, I play, like, Marvel Snap and other time wasters. I found one that might help with chess. You ready for this, Jay? Whoa, whoa. Uh, Feed it to me. Playing three two blitz games on chess.com. It feels oh. like a phone game because I barely take it seriously. I've got my little thumbs. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just winging pieces around. It was really fun. I did that in the airport for like an hour because I got there too early. So I played a whole bunch of three two. And oh, and then I played my other favorite game, which is uh, my daughter gets 55 minutes. I get 10 seconds, but I'm on a five second delay. And I didn't use any of my time, and I was able to win a pretty clean game, except for when I got forked that one time. That one time I got forked, but I came back from it. Yeah. The one time. Well, at least it wasn't like uh, forking your queen and maybe uh, checkmate in one. Oh, yeah. No, no, that didn't happen. That, didn't, that, uh, happened. that never happens, right? <laughs> that happened to you? This sounds like a true story. No, 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 no. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, let's talk about you today uh you've uh you've had a pretty good year i think uh i don't know that's debatable that's debatable i'm kind of in a pit of despair right now so i don't know i don't know if i'm ready to say i had a good year uh well i think you have but let's let's uh start with the recap of uh your latest tournament the national open you just got back today yeah i did it was really really fun actually um i love the national open there's just something about it i know this is going to sound bad but there's there's less kids. There's still a ton of kids, don't get me wrong. And I don't mind playing kids. I just love when it's more of an even split. And in this tournament, I played six games, and I played 
four adults, one 11 year old and one like maybe 14 year old. So it was kind of cool. So, and you played up a section, right? I played up two sections. So my official posted rating was 1699 and there was an under 1700 section. And did I play in that section? No. Did I play in the under 1900 section like a sane person? No. I went for the under 2100. And you walked away with the prize, right? Oh yeah, first place. Clear first. No. Yeah. No, no, I did not get. I did not get clear first. <laughs> Are you curious at all why I decided to be a madman? Well, a little bit curious why you decided on the under 2100, but I kind of probably know why because I'm along the same lines of uh, lanes of thought. But please lay it on everybody. I think everyone needs to hear this. Okay. My rationale went like this. I looked at the entries for the under 19 and the under 21, and... If I enroll in the under 21, yes, I would probably play like a 1900 in the first round and second round and probably lose. And that's fine. But I would get a good game against somebody better than me. But the whole rest of the tournament, I'd be playing like 1800 plus. And that's the group that I'm really trying to get more experience with. At our local club, I get tons of games against people in the 1500s, 1600s, and 1700s. And so this was an opportunity to try to engage that next bracket. And I looked at the 1900 section with the same idea, but like the whole bottom half of it was 1600 and below. And so I was like, ah, so if I lose the first couple of games, I'm going to be paired up against like a 1500 and then a 1600 and nothing against those players. They're great. And they can easily beat me on any given day. That's one of the things I learned this year. Um, but like I said, I just really wanted to get some games against the higher rated people and on that piece, I was very successful. I played no one below something like 1812 or something. Well, that's perfect because that's uh, over 100 rating points higher from when you went in. So uh, the experience you gain from it's well worth the, the pounding you take sometimes, right? Yeah. But my coach is a little worried. He's like, oh. all right, Kevin, that's all good logic and all but I feel like you're not revealing the true reason. And I was like, oh, really? What's the true reason? And he's like, I'm just saying, I've heard you say this several times, that when you play up, it protects your rating. And even if you don't have a great tournament, your rating often goes up anyway, because you do okay. And, and I'm fine with you playing up, but I'm not sure it's a healthy reason for playing up is to protect your rating. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not the reason at all. And then as I'm laying in bed at night, I'm like, is that really the reason, Kevin? Is that why you're doing it? I don't know. I don't know what the reason is, Jay. Well, I know my reasoning for playing up is you only get better consistently by playing stronger players. And so, yeah, it may protect the rating, but if the goal is to get better, you have to play better players, right? Yeah. There is a problem with this approach yes. that you often do badly at the beginning. So mm -hmm. if you're the kind of person who, if they get off to a rough start, really has a hard time handling losing. I do not recommend this because I've done this at like three tournaments this year and all three tournaments, I lost game one and I often lose game two. Game three is not a lot better. Game four might even still be hard. And so you have to have that mental toughness to be able to be like, listen, it's games five and six where I get my moments. And most people are shattered by that just shattered i had a friend at the tournament and he played up and he lost his first three and he was like kevin 
if I don't win this game, I'm dropping. And so I had to tell him my whole theory of like, dude, for game five, you're playing someone more devastated than you. All you have to do is be less emotionally destroyed than they are. And you have a mental edge. And he looked at me funny and he's like, I never thought about it that way. <laughs> it's finding the silver lining. Yeah, exactly. Or, or I don't know, shooting the angle sort of, right? It's like, well, you know, that person's having a bad tournament. Also, they're looking to make draws, too. When you lost that many games in a row, that person's like, please draw. And you're like, it's move three. No, 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 I'm not going to draw yet. Well, that's, uh, I guess, is more of a results-oriented look at it. If For an improvement look at it, um, you're going in to get games to learn from, so the result doesn't sh shouldn't matter as much. Of course, at the end of the day, we all want to win. So it can be difficult, but honestly, if we're going in to win, we should play our own section. Yes, exactly. If you're playing up, you know you're going to lose a bunch. Right, and you just go in knowing you're going to get beat up a little, but if you steal one. Yeah, feels good. Feels good when you steal one. Yeah, I had a, another friend. He lost 100 points in this event. He played Ooh. up a section, and it just did not go well, and he just couldn't handle all the losing. And it's a lot. Like, I get it. It's hard to lose that many games in a row. So did you do something to prepare for this? Um, Let's see. I'd say I did quite a bit. Um, Well, I guess I shouldn't say specifically for the event, but I was worked on tactics quite a bit to try to really – I know that's an area where I need some work. So I worked on tactics. I did just a tiny bit of opening work ahead of time. And then I did more. The funny thing is I did most of my opening prep at the event itself. Um, so like, I forgot that people at 1800 plus actually play theory. And I had gotten so used to when I play my Catalan, people just playing random stuff. I forgot like the main line open Catalan that, supposedly happens 90% of the time because I had literally never seen it in like six months and the guy plays into it. I'm like, yes, all right, theory time. And then I was like, wait, what's the theory again? I don't even remember it because I hadn't reviewed it in a while and it was really embarrassing when I'm like, move six, I made a weird move and he gave me a funny look like, what the heck? You really don't know the theory of the Catalan that you're playing? And I was like, no, no, I don't. So, I prepped after that game and now I remember the theory for the next six months and then, but I won't play anyone who does it and then I'll forget it again. All right. Well, you know, if you reviewed it once in a while, maybe you would remember to move seven next time. Maybe Jay, maybe. All right. Another thing I did though, is um, I've been working a lot on the steps method. So I've been going through the steps method and I'm about um, two thirds of the way through book four which is what the, the first book I started on. So I've been doing quite a bit of that, but I didn't do like focused openings work. I really didn't do a lot of specific prep for the event because I was at work, like school wasn't over yet. School's over now. So I'm ready. I'm ready for the next event, Jay. I, get, I can prep all I want. So is the steps method also a tactics course or is it balanced? Yeah. In it's pretty much a, it's like, um, it reminds me a lot of Yusupov's course where mm -hmm. it's like, I'm going to teach you all this stuff. And you're like, cool. And then like at the end of each chapter, it's just a whole bunch of tactics. And you're like, wait, this was an opening section. He's like, yep, tactics are important even in the opening. Um, 
So that's exactly how this is, only it's just the puzzles, not the actual teaching. Um, so a lot of it is just like basic tactics problems, but then some of them is just like past pawns are really useful, especially in tactical moments. So it's stuff like that. Okay. And what kind of takeaways did you take away from this tournament? Um, I think the biggest one is something that I had started noticing myself lately, which goes something like this. We get deep into the game, and I just start drifting a bit. And I'm like, hmm, feels kind of drosh. And my mind just kind of like starts losing the thread a little bit. And I try to bring it back, and my mind is like, nah, I kind of think I'm done. And I'm like, dude, we invested all this time. You can't be done now. And my brain's like, I can actually. Like, what are you going to do about it? And I try to like get up and take walks and like, reinvigorate myself and i don't know sometimes it can just be really hard um and that's something that really worries me do you have any troubles with that or are you able to stay laser focused all game uh, well i do drift from time to time but not to that extent mm -hmm. um usually i'll my mind will start to wander a little bit but then i'll look back at the board and i get focused back in i uh i it's kind of like a time dilation a game of chess I get into the game of chess and I don't notice time passing, which is probably part of my problem with time trouble. And, uh, <laughs> okay. and the, the three three hours go by and the game's done and I just barely realize that three hours have gone by. So gotcha. while I drift from time to time, it's not so much that it takes me out of the game. So I think maybe with all the talking to yourself that you're doing, that maybe you should seek help. <laughs> I think that wouldn't hurt. Um, another thing I've realized, one of the perils for me personally of playing up is that, like, I get into kind of drawish positions with 1900s and I just start kind of going, like, you played a good game. Win or lose, you played a good game. And you're like, wait, what? No, no, it doesn't work like that. You have to win. And my brain's like, no, man, this guy's 1900. Even if you lose from here, you played a good game. And I'm like, what? We can't have this attitude. So yeah, you you need to take that Kevin and leave him outside, and yeah. bring in like a, like the assassin Kevin. That was twenty years ago. Twenty oh. years ago, Kevin was like a maniac. If I ever lost at anything, if I played a ninety eight percent game against a super GM and lost, I would be irate. Like this is just a whole new Kevin who can handle losing better, and maybe it's a bad thing. So you'd be super cool, dad. Podcast host Kevin, school teacher, Dr. Kevin, most of the time. But when you sit down at the chessboard, you're yeah. killer Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got to figure out a way to do that. I really, really do. Um, okay. But then you'd probably be seeking help again. Yeah, for another <laughs> problem. Exactly. <laughs> Especially since I play my daughter sometimes. And if I wanted to kill her, mode, it would be terrible. Dad, you look a little different. <laughs> Are you all right? No, I'm not okay. <laughs> Move <a> please. <laughs> Let's see. Some other takeaways. Um, I already talked about that. Higher rated players play more theory. This wasn't just that Catalan game. Other games, it was really fun because I know a fair amount of theory in my openings. And so it was kind of cool to be like, oh, cool. We're like doing theory. Um, except I had a super embarrassing moment where my buddy and I were playing a blitz game and he just played the mainline classical 
Caro Khan. And I was like, I was, I just like lost it and confused it with like the advanced variation. And, and, uh, and I played like H5 and I, and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, if you're going to, this is the correct response to the tall. And he's like, what? This is, I don't think you're right. And I was like, I play the Carol Khan. He's like, okay. And then we stopped, we stopped our blitz game and like went through theory. And I was like, dude, I don't even know what happened there. <laughs> like, we're, this is a whole different variation. There's not a towel variation of the classical. I don't know what happened. It was the skull variation. Yeah, it was very different. <laughs> that was that was like after game one, and I was like, "Oh wow, I need to get this together, man." Might might be a little bit dubious on that variation, but yeah, you know. Practice. Okay, another takeaway. I'm very happy with my mental toughness and having that good attitude all tournament long, right? Like after a little bit of spoilers here, but after day two or day three, I guess whatever you call it. I was uh, three losses and a draw. And like, it would be very easy to be just emotionally wrecked after that, right? And instead, I was just kind of like, hey, man, this is what you play for the last day, right? You can steal two wins, and then you have a great tournament. If you, even if you steal one win, it's not a bad tournament. Um, so that was good. And then uh, I still think I have proof I can hang with 1800s, maybe. Uh, all the 1800s I either drew with or beat. I realized something, Jay. I'm, I played them near the end of the tournament. And so what I really figured out, and, and I now I'm thinking about this, can I really just hang with 1800s who are sort of off their form? Like they're they're not on their A game anymore? Maybe that's well, what I picked up. Well, I don't know, because let's look at it from a different angle. You were off your form until... Yeah. Last day as well. So no, no, I've just been off my form. Period. It's been bad. So you were able to hold it together, whether they're eighteen hundred or eight hundred, it doesn't matter. You were able to hold it together and convert. Yeah, and against one of the nineteen hundreds, I played an amazing game. He was super scared, and I uh, what what has now become called I pulled a Kevin, which means oh. you are winning positionally, and you see a tactic. But the tactic absolutely doesn't work. And you calculate it for five minutes and convince yourself it does work. And then you instantly lose the game. So, yeah. I'm all too familiar with this. Yes, it's very frustrating. <laughs> all I said to a guy who goes to our club, he's like, how'd it go? And I said, I had a good position. And then, and he goes, you pulled a Kevin? And I was like, wait, what? We have a descriptor for this? That's not good at all. <laughs> he was supposed to keep it a secret. Yeah, I didn't know <laughs> this was a thing that people knew about me. I was hoping it was a secret. <laughs> oh, man, the secret is oh. out. Bait me into bad tactics. And this guy, by the way, he pulled one of those things where, like, he also saw the tactic and saw it didn't work. And so he was, like, hamming it up. And he's like, oh, no. And I was like, oh, so that means he thinks it doesn't work, right? Because he's not, like, some chump. So I know he thinks the tactic doesn't work. And so I'm actually overcalculated then because i'm like okay he's sure it doesn't work he wouldn't do that and then i saw the move that he thought refuted it and i saw the reputation but i didn't see the reputation to the reputation oh <laughs> yeah one move further one move for and i looked i just didn't see that one i thought the queen was in too much jeopardy but alas it wasn't okay you ready for my next takeaway let's let's hear the next one I seem to be off of form. Like uh, about two months ago, 
I was crushing it. I felt invincible. My results reflected it. My rating was soaring. I was feeling great. And for about the last two months, I feel like I can't win. I feel like I'm fighting this uphill battle. And I'm kind of proud of myself that I was able to like push through that despite that feeling, not even just a feeling, despite the results mirroring the feeling and despite doing badly for a couple of days, I pushed through and fought through that poor form and still drew one and won one on the last day. So I feel like I'm still off form, but maybe it's coming back. I don't know. What does it even mean to be off form? Does it just mean you lost? I don't, I don't even know. Well, I think we all have floors and we all have ceilings and you're going to go up and you're going to go down. Sometimes you'll play better than others. And the key is that we keep playing and work through it. And the floors keep getting a little higher. The same with the ceilings. And if we look at the progress over time, it's still an upward trend. Yep. That's uh, it's a little easier when I zoom out like that. Right. It's when I zoom in and look at like the last 90 days where I'm like, what happened, man? Like you've lost a hundred rating points in a month. Two months? How is that even possible? You don't even play that often. Uh, okay. Well, I can relate. I had a, a similar bout recently as well, as as you know. I hit 1,900, and four months, six months later, I hit my floor at 1,700. Yeah, that is shocking, especially for you, because I feel like, I don't know, I, I feel like you're on an upward trajectory, so it kind of makes me feel better to hear you had a blip like that. Well, I like to think it was because I made a move, and we'll get into that story later, but mm. had a, had, I was out of routine for about four months, and okay. it caused the rating to fall. But as soon as I got back into routine, it's bounced back up into the mid-1800s, which I think will happen to you, too, as you get into the routine of your new summer schedule. Yeah. Things, things will come together. You'll bounce back up, and... Maybe there's a new all-time high in your future. Ooh, I like the sound of that. Okay, two more takeaways. One, um, I feel like I'm pretty good positionally for my rating. Even against the 1900s, I played really solid positional games. I felt like I was straight up outplaying them. Like, they would end up with these backward pawns that I could target. And they were just kind of like, I don't know how I got here. Like, you're clearly slightly better. Um but I'm still pairing that with the huge tactical mistakes. And I feel like, I feel like Jay, there would be a temptation just to be like, well, stop doing that. Stop looking for tactics, but you can't do that. Right. That's not how chess works. I have to just get better at tactics and use this as like that turning point, right. Where soon those tactical mistakes go away and they just become the right tactical plays. Um, and I think that's where I need to go rather than try to shy away from tactics. Right. I think a couple quotes. Uh, Bobby Fischer said tactics flow from a superior position. Yep. So if you keep just building your position, the tactics will eventually be there. And then uh, Jakob Agard's just Hmm. improve your worst piece and keep doing that. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. And that's, that's a lot of what I try to do. Just that has helped immensely just being like well i don't really know what to do in this position rookie one all right shout out to the to the kid from the club who listens to the podcast you know who you are uh 
he came up to me the other day and he was like, Kevin, I know your secret now. I've been listening to your podcast. I was like, really? What's my secret? And he's like, rookie one. I'm not going to let you do that. And I was like, see, the thing with rookie one is you can't stop that. That's that's the move I make when there aren't <laughs> other good moves. So, yeah, that, that one's hard to stop. But but now he knows my secret and I'm a little worried because he's quite good. So, so did he stop you from playing rookie one? We haven't played again. We haven't played again, which oh. is kind of great for me because I'm three and zero against him. I beat him when he was like twelve hundred. I beat him when he was fourteen hundred. I beat him when he's sixteen hundred, and now he's almost eighteen hundred. And I'm like, ah, my days may be numbered of beating this one. <laughs> no, his rating just caught up. You still have his number. Okay. All right. Good. I like to hear that. Okay. <laughs> so- Last takeaway. Last takeaway. Here it is. I love these big events. I was actually laying in my hotel bed last night and I was like, what if this could be my life? I could just move into a hotel like this and then just play big events all day. And I was like, I so, probably would get old after a while, but but I really need to find a way to do more big events. I, I don't think it'll get old, but I don't know if you know this, but it costs a lot of money to do uh, that. Did yeah. you get the lottery? Yeah. That's and true. if you did, do you need a roommate? <laughs> like a high school teacher might not be able to afford that life <laughs> no that's oh well but yeah so it's, if you're gonna do it um i'll be your roommate okay because right. <laughs> it's funny because i hear all these people being like uh i don't really like playing these big events it's two games a day and it's brutal i'll give you that it is brutal mm-hmm. i just really love it i love that feeling of being immersed in chess I love the feeling, especially when I know a lot of people and I'm walking around the room, checking out games, talking to people in between rounds, just just a basically immersing myself in chess for three days when I normally can't really do that. I have a whole life that I have to tend to. Right. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I love the big events as well and uh, hope to get to be at the same ones more often. Yeah, that World Open we went to together was probably my highlight. That was so fun. The World Open, and then we did the the North American Open in yeah. Vegas. That one was great, too. But that World Open was just, I don't know, there's just something special about that that event for me. It, it was a good event, too. Yeah, I don't even remember if I got rating points from that one. It wasn't about that. It was about all the other pieces. Yeah, we, we hung out with tons of good people and uh, had a good time and actually got to play some chess in the, in the middle of all of it. It was fun. Yeah, it was great. So the, speaking of good people... There was lots of people at this national open. Oh yeah, interesting ones. Oh yeah. Tell okay. me about some of them that you ran into. Okay, so I saw some people. Uh, didn't speak to them because I'm a nobody and I didn't want to bother them. So I saw <laughs> Eric Rosen walking around. I've never spoken to him, so I didn't say anything to him. Ben Feingold was walking by several times, and I was like, "Ooh, I kind of want to interview him for." The podcast anyway he he would be a great guest but i just i don't know i feel weird bothering people so i didn't do it and then i saw ben johnson and i was super excited until i saw his face and i was like that is not the real ben johnson that's that's a i'm sure a wonderful man who was a tournament director but he wasn't the ben johnson i was hoping he was gonna be <laughs> uh i did talk to some people though don't worry i know jay you're like you didn't talk to anyone I talked to Coach Kavutsky for a bit. It was good catching up with him. He's a great guy. He did right. the coolest thing ever. He played four rounds. Jeez, I hope he's not. He's okay with me saying this. He played four rounds. Then he took four buys, and then he played the last round. Huh. Yeah. 
So it was like he just wanted to hang out in Vegas a bit, kind of relax. He'd come off another tournament, and it seemed to work out really well for him. So that, that was really cool. Huh. I, I don't think I could pull that off. <laughs> I definitely My wife would be like, wait, you left us to go take buys? What, what are you even talking about? So I couldn't do that. Um, I met a whole bunch of people that recognized me from the podcast. That's That was really fun because that, that number is going up. The last tournament I went to, like one person the whole weekend did. And this was like three or four a day came up to me and they're like, hey. Like one guy just heard me talking in the Skittles room. And he's like, I have no idea what Kevin Skull looks like, but are you him? Because your voice sounds right. Like, <laughs> yes, I am him. So that was pretty great. I get that actually a lot from your podcast. I get people come up to me and go, are you that Jay Garrison that Kevin Skull talks about? He says your name at the beginning of every podcast. I said, yeah, that's me. They go, I knew it. (laughs) It's really funny because my friend Cody, who was at this tournament, he's like, people recognize me all the time from my one episode. And I'm like, what? No one recognizes me. And when they do, half the time they're like, Oh, you have a podcast, Perpetual Chess, right? And I'm like, no, that's Ben Johnson. Like, I've never heard of you then. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Yeah, I I got to hang out with Ben Johnson in Charlotte, and uh, I want I and I didn't think of it at the time, but I wanted to ask him. You know, I in big crowd, I wanted to go. Aren't you that podcast guy, uh, Kevin Skull? But I didn't think of it in time. That would have been funny. That would be funny. I bet he never gets that. Never. Well, it would have been the first time. Yes, the first time. <laughs> By the way, the Perpetual Chess Podcast is amazing, and I listen to it every week. So I yes. get it. I understand why people like it. It's great. All right. I also met a few potential guests. So uh, I met the streamer, Joe Bruin. Uh, I met a streamer named, ooh, I don't know how to pronounce her name, Eliana, I'm guessing. Um, and she was in the beginner tournament and streaming it. And so it's really, it'll be really cool to talk to her about her first big tournament. Um, and then I met this super nice guy who was just crushing the beginner tournament. He's one of these guys that's like has like a 2000 blitz rating on chess.com and he got put in the beginner oh. tournament and just whomped everybody. So I think that'll be fun. He seemed really nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it would be kind of cool to go do that. But on the other hand, I'm not sure I could stomach doing something like that. I yeah. want He did I make wanna... quite a bit of money. Well, that would be make it worth it, I guess. But you know, I don't know. I don't. I, I like I like fighting competition. I, I I want my I want my uh, I want my food to fight back a little bit. Wow, <laughs> I definitely don't want my food to fight back. I want it to be very passive. <laughs> a little different there, I guess. Oh, all right. Um, what other stories do you have from from Vegas for us? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, podcast appropriate stories. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. No, um, man, my family and friends mock me so hard because I'm the worst Vegas person. They're like, did you gamble at all today? And I'm like, heck yeah, I did. I sacked a rook and lost. It was a terrible gamble. And they're like, no, I need money. And I'm like, what? No, I went to play chess. All my gambling was on the board. So, yeah, all my stories, unfortunately, are podcast uh, appropriate. Um, I did have a really interesting moment where 
I was playing against a woman and seated to my left was a woman. And I was like, are we reaching some level of gender parity? That would be amazing. And then I look around the rest of the section. I'm like, nope, it's just one little spot. Um, So that was both uh, great for a moment and then ultimately disappointing. But there were more women at the tournament, which is great to see. Um, Not 50-50 like there was in my little spot, which was unfortunate. Um, Also, this is the wildest thing I could have imagined. One of the reasons why I did the under 2100 is because it was FIDE rated. And I have a FIDE rating. Everyone's like, that was a mistake. You should not have gotten a FIDE rating yet, but that's fine. I thought I'll get some FIDE rated games. In the six games I played, not a single one of them affected my FIDE rating because if they don't have a FIDE rating yet, it doesn't count. Right. And there were only like out of 178 players, there were maybe 30 that didn't have FIDE ratings, and I played six of them. So that was very strange. Have you had that at all where like most of the people are not FIDE rated? I have, and it's either they're uh, not FIDE rated or they're severely underrated. Oh, yeah, like, that's I, everybody. Like in Vegas uh, last year's National Open, I didn't get to play this year. I was uh, at a camp. But uh, last year's National Open, I played two kids that were over 2,000. They both beat me. One of them I had chances in. The other one just crushed me. But either, in any case, both of them were over 2,000 USCF, and both of them were about 1,400 FIDE. <laughs> So I lost a hundred FIDE rating points to people uh, that are higher rated than me, USCF. That's so annoying. The FIDE ratings are all, especially kids are so underrated FIDE because they like played the one FIDE tournament in their life, went out and played a hundred other tournaments and then came back and crushed everyone. It was so ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm, I'm uh, still, still crying. Real tears. Okay. okay. <laughs> the, the worst thing I saw at the tournament was this really rude teenager. He's playing against this little kid, and he does one of those, like, hamming it up things. He slaps his forehead really loud, cups his head, and starts shaking himself and starts going, no, no, no. And right there, I was like, dude, that is too much. I'm trying to play a game. Um, But his opponent obviously knows, like, okay, he's uh, he's hamming this up big time. But it kind of like me. He decided that that tactic was the right way. It ended up not being right. And the teenager's like laughing at him. And then there's a mate on the board. The kid, the, the young kid is just stunned, right? That things have gone so sideways. And he's just staring at the board. I can see the stunned look on his face while the teenager is not moving. And he's pointing at it. And like kids on the board next to it are laughing. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? Just make the move and move on. You won. Congratulations. Is this the first game you've ever won? Because this is pretty absurd. Yeah, I think I get the arbiter in that situation mm. and and make a complaint because that's got to stop. That 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 makes a, a bad impression for all us chess players. Yeah, that's a good point. You and I would never do something like that, but that kid's going to associate that with all the rest of his opponents. It's yeah. hard not to. That's a good point. I definitely should have gotten the arbiter. That was that was a lot. And the kid was really annoying. He was doing what he was doing one of those things that eight-year-olds sometimes do, where they like clink the pieces together and they're like intentionally making all this noise. And the kid was like 15. 
I was like, dude, I know you probably developed these habits when you were eight to distract people, but now that you're 15, you can't do that anymore. It's no longer socially acceptable to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you got to also have respect for the players around you. Yeah, it was a, it was a weird deal. And then one other weird thing that happened, uh, FIDE section, a dude's phone rang <laughs> next to me or like made what? And he quickly looked at it, freaked out, and just, like, muted or whatever. And then he whispers to his opponent, don't tell on me. <laughs> it was hilarious. And I'm just looking at her, like, what's she going to do? And she raised her hand and brought the arbiter over. And I thought in FIDE rating sections, that was an automatic loss. Like, there was no way to negotiate. You know what his penalty was? Nothing. There should have been a small penalty. I think the first one was supposed to be a time penalty. And yeah, there was going to be a time penalty, but there were some problems with the clock, and the, the the woman was just like, you know what, it's fine. He's only used two minutes, and we're deep into the game. Time is not going to be an issue here. Yeah. Um. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, I think the second defense is, is a forfeiture, but the first defense ah, okay. is time. I'm not it. Is like first offense is a forfeiture, but that may just be to get people to you know turn off their phones. Yeah, I I don't I'm not an arbiter or a tournament director, so I don't know for certain. So I could be misquoting, but I think that's mm. my understanding. My yeah. that is my understanding, but I think that's the way it is. Okay, and that basically also that was to the right of me, and to the left of me was the annoying teenager. So yeah. I was like, there was a lot of drama all around What's up? That is the round you won in. No, I drew that oh. one. That was oh. one of my draws. That was one of my draws. I was going to say there was a silver lining. <laughs> no. no. Uh, before we move on from the tournament, let's just lay out the results real quick. I kind of did this already, uh, but it was like round one loss. Well, round one, technically, I took a bye, so I could not have to play short games. So round one loss, round two loss. So I'm like, okay, oh, Round one. I don't know if you heard about this, Jay, actually. Yeah. Uh, some of you Twitter followers have. Round one. I saw it. I, oh. I, I It was in my email from the Patreon. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, if you're a Patreon follower, I actually posted it with the PGN with my thoughts immediately after the game. And all my thoughts were about the shame. I hung a piece. I could. I was trying to decide: Do I resign? I'm super embarrassed. Like it was so horrible, and that was like move eight. And then it went so sideways from there. I got mated three moves later and didn't see the mate until like he went to do it. And then I was like, "What happened?" Like Jay, there was this little bit of me that was like, "Dude, your your form. You're not just out of form. You don't even know how to play chess anymore. Just withdraw from the tournament and go home." Like, this is ridiculous. Oh, it was so bad. Yeah. Um, I it, I kind of knew that something like that had happened already anyway because I had texted you before the game, told you to go kill him. And then uh, 20 minutes later, you texted me back. <laughs> I dropped a piece on move nine. I said, and then? And you said, then I was mated four moves later. And I went... I should probably let him uh, be. He's going to be upset. <laughs> I think I handled it remarkably well, you but did. at the same time, I had a lot of dark thoughts, both at the board and after. 
And I was able to get it together for round two. Like, I don't think it affected me. The reason I won round two, I had an equal position against a 1920 or something. And I started drifting into what I was talking about, where I was like, he's 1900. It's pretty drosh. Good job, Kevin. Like, you played a good game. And I was right. The computer thinks I played a great game until I lost the thread and then lost the game, actually, because he made just one little move that I wasn't expecting. And I was like, all right, that actually wins, doesn't it? Yep, yep, that, that's that's the winning path. Um, round three, I got to draw and check this out. We were both 90% accurate, 96% accuracy. Oof. So it was a nice game. <laughs> uh, round Round four was my great position that I did the uh, gambling with the rooks and lost. That was terrible. Uh, round five, I got a win. And Jay, listen to this. First of all, my opponent sacked a piece for a giant attack. So I had to defend like crazy, and I defended awesome. Then I turned it into a great counterattack, which involved my nemesis sacking a pawn for nothing other than future diagonal opening. Because it would have gotten blockaded and it would have been in the way. So I gave it to him for free. He looked at me like, you are a madman, sir. And guess what? That open diagonal is what won the game. <laughs> it was like my proudest moment, actually. <laughs> the fact, And the computer was like, that's not even the best move. And I was like, I don't care, computer. It's still my crowning achievement. <laughs> Doesn't have to be good. It worked. Exactly. And then the final game, it was a draw, and I did something else I don't normally do. It was like an outright full-on attack. I had every piece of my army attacking. He defended very well. Uh, and then the last move, he actually like found this counterattacking idea that seemed pretty strong, and I was kind of nervous. And he puts it on the board, and then he extends his hand, and it was a check. And I was like, uh, that is not a checkmate. And he looks at me, and he goes, draw. And I was like, now you're offering a draw now that you're attacking me hold on a second i look at him like that line loses a pawn that line loses a piece that line loses two pawns and my attack is thwarted yes this seems like a reasonable way to end and i put it in the computer and it's like you are down three now and i was like wow okay good call right. yeah worked out well <laughs> so those were the results it was uh three losses two draws and a win i think you would be tempted to say it was a terrible tournament i thought it was pretty good for playing up uh the calculator said i was going to win 20 rating points with their published ratings but then when i looked after the event their actual ratings were all much lower and i only gained seven rating points so i'm up to 1675 jay uh, so your 1699 was also a published rating above. Yeah, it was only 1666. Ah, uh, okay. So you were fooling them while they were fooling you. Oh yeah. So okay. in the end, we're just all fools. Yeah, lots of people got played. That's what happened. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but you gained rating points. You're uh, partially back towards 1700, and I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And really, I've just decided. So when I was climbing, I cared more about rating. I was like, cool, it's going up. That's an indicator I'm getting better. And now that it's much lower, I'm just kind of like, I can't worry about rating or I'll lose my mind. So I just got to be like, do the process, do the work, ignore the rating. So I'm going to hasten back to our last podcast conversation 
where we were having this, uh, it was before your meteoric rise, I believe, and we were saying, we don't care about the rating. Yeah, <laughs> yep. We just want to get better. Yep. Until it gets better, and then we worry about the rating. <laughs> yeah, that's really how it goes for me. Like, if I'm going up, then I, I say I don't care about the rating, but I, I secretly do. But then when it's going down, I really have to let it go, or I just can't like that's the reason i quit 20 years ago I, it's partially i went back to grad school partially i lost like 100 points in a tournament i just couldn't deal with it and i just freaked out and was like okay i'm not i can't do this i think we can have the best of both worlds okay we, like we can care about the rating we just can't tie the rating to our self-worth yes that can be hard yes yes it's very hard because as chess players we feel that our rating is our strength but our rating is just a our performance it's our average and yes. it's it's you know if we're 1700 we can play games like 1900s and we can play games like 1500s and that's why we average out at 1700 or 1800 or whatever your your rating is it's just an average of your performance and as yeah. your performance gets better it will climb i found that a lot in the last month or so uh i found i was having some time trouble issues it, only in like end games when we were actually at the end of the game and that makes sense because i ran out of time um and so my coach was like you should play like some three two and so i played some three two arenas on chess.com and those were hilarious like i would get paired against absurdly low rated people who are still good chess players like i yeah. i think i lost to a 750 they right. played a good game they didn't play perfect we both made mistakes but i made shocking mistakes that supposedly as someone who's like 1700 i should not be making and i realized from that my floor is very low like it is way lower than i ever imagined i tell myself like my floor is like 1500 my floor is probably 200 depending on the day like just yeah. my so low it's almost inconceivable <laughs> i think my floor is right there too my floor is like a, a at a beginner level that forgets that you know the knight can move in a L shape. That's how it moves, yeah. right? <laughs> weird. Because I feel like my ceiling is pretty high. Like I'm doing deep positional games and coming out ahead against 1900s. And then against a 700, I fall into a fork. And I'm like, what are you even doing? Hang, hanging queens. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's tough. It's tough. So that rolls us right into where I want to lead us next, and that's the year in review. So let's take us back one year. Actually, we're almost exactly, we're just a couple weeks shy of you and I hanging yeah. out in Philly a year ago. Yep. yep. Where were you heading into Philly? What was that? Where, what were you at heading into Philly last year? Um, ooh, I don't know what I was heading into Philly. I wrote down... August, so that would be a little bit after Philly. Yeah, and I had gotten my rating to 1680, which was pretty good for me. Like I was closing in on my high before I had left the first time. Um, and I was feeling pretty good about it. This is USCF. And then I got my rating all the way up to 1759 in February. And so it's like, wow, I'm I'm really on a good uphill trajectory. Every tournament, my floor was pretty high. I, I wouldn't lose to anyone below about 1,500. And then since February, it really just started with this one tournament. And I've talked about it on the podcast. I wasn't feeling good. I went anyway. 
I was up like three to six in each game, lost all three. And that just sort of like started this weird spiral. And uh, I got all the way down to 1668, losing almost 100 points in like three months. Um, I got seven of them back, Jay. Seven of them. That's that's where you start, right? Seven at a time, they'll all come back. Yeah, this is what I was saying to myself, though. Like before, when I got to 1759 and I was beating in 1800, I got almost no rating points. I'm supposed to beat them. I'm like, I'm supposed to beat them sometimes. Now that I've fallen all the way back to 1668, it's an achievement again, right? So it's like the <laughs> same thing that I was doing now suddenly looks better and I guess worse for them. All right. I will say this, though. My rapid rating on chess.com has been evidence of a pretty big jump. So a year ago, uh, well, somewhere in the last year, I hit my low of 1650, 1615. And I got as high as 1812 and I'm sitting at like 1802. So pretty consistently gained like 200 points there. My puzzle rating has gone up about 300 points and I'm not even doing puzzles anymore really on chess.com. So I don't know. I'm maybe I could push it higher. I've been working on the steps method. I also did this new thing on chess.com where instead of doing the puzzles there, like when I'm in the mood to do puzzles, I bust out the steps method and I do puzzles when I'm in the mood to just kind of like get better at my floor, I've started doing the custom puzzles from like 1400 to 1700. It pulls out all the back rank mate nonsense and is like double attacks and discoveries and just like solid tactics that I need to never miss in games. Um, and that's actually been really useful. I use that as um, training before each of my tournament games. I would do that for like 10 minutes and just, you know, get my brain looking for basic tactics. So let me ask you, are you missing tactics in your games for yourself or for your opponent or for both? Hmm. That's a good question. I'd say both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Both. Okay. And, and I find a lot of tactics, man. There's just so many tactics in chess. Every <laughs> position practically there's some tactic. What I've gotten a lot better at, and this is why I lost that game, is seeing tactics ahead. There's not even a tactic yet. So like in that game, I was like, okay, I've got a rook on this file. He has a queen on that file. And there's a pawn in the way. That pawn is pinned, period. If at any point in the game, I can find a way to exploit that, I'm gonna. it's going to be great. And so the tactic I found was like 20 moves later, I was like, there it is. It's finally come to fruition. I've been having in the back of my mind for 20 moves. Now, I would have been a genius if there hadn't been the reputation of the reputation. But mm. I'm proud of myself that, like, even when it wasn't a tactic, I was still noticing the thematic element. And, like, there could be this tactic. And I've been seeing that a lot more lately, which I'm really happy about. But still, there's just so many tactics in every position that I miss them. And, and then when you miss one, that's like, that can be game over. Yeah, well, it only takes one at at the higher levels, especially against those 1900 monsters. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, so uh, so overall, your year in review, how do you feel about it? Um, Numbers-wise, I don't know, bad. <laughs> it's, it's simply my USCF rating went down. Um, it, it, I assume we'll get into like what I did this year and that kind of stuff that I feel better about. 
But numbers wise, like the number went down, man. I don't know what to say. Oh, I, well, that's what I, I think when we went to Philly, you gained points in Philly. So I think you're probably actually year to year, year over year, you're probably up a couple points. Yeah, maybe. I'm certainly but not up over my high score, I, though. I could be misremembering, but I'm pretty sure you're up a couple points for the year. Maybe not, you know, 100 points for the year. But, yeah, you know, up is up. Yeah, so that's true. I guess I shouldn't look at the high. I should look at sort of almost the average kind of thing. And yeah. if you take the year before this and this year, average, I've been much higher. So I like that, Jay. We just rescued my year. <laughs> yes. So one of the ways I look at it is, is yes, my I hit I hit my all time high, and then I hit my floor, but I hovered in the seventeen hundreds for a long time. Now I'm hovering in the eighteen hundreds. Mm. There's almost always an eighteen at the front of it now. And I hovered at 17 for a long time. I hovered at 16 for a long time. So as long as that hover is a little bit higher, I think that shows improvement, right? Yeah, I buy that. So I, I think you've, uh, you're hovering higher. Okay, I like that. I, I should stop looking at the highs and look at the average. I like that. I'm going to start doing that. Maybe that will help me feel better. So what did you do this year? How did, uh, how did um, you get that hover higher? Um. I did a lot of work on tactics, which really is disturbing with the fact that I'm still losing on tactics, but it's a process, right? Um, so I did a ton of puzzles. Uh, I started working on my calculation more explicitly and directly. Um, I read some works on calculation. Like I looked at, I looked at like five different people's plans on how to calculate, like Augard and a couple of his books kind of lays out succinctly what he thinks it is. I didn't read any more of his book because it was too challenging, but I could read that part. Um, and then I applied that to think like a super GM, which I think is um, an amazing book to really get you into calculation. I did my The Best Move by Horton Yanza, and I just tried to set up some of those problems. I think that's what I need to do more of. I feel like that targets the drifting. If I spend more time doing that, I just kind of train my brain that this is what chess is, man. It's hard work. It's not rookie one when you can't find a move it's diving in and calculating stop drifting uh, <laughs> yeah exactly enough brain uh i did lots of gm games uh for anyone who's followed my stream i streamed the entirety of uh one of karpov's collections uh karpov strategic wins one so now whenever i play a strategic move i call it a karpov move usually i don't play it like he does of course uh, looked at a bunch of Capablanca games, uh, lots of other GM games, really trying to basically expand my possible candidate move selection. And I think that's worked immensely. Things like dropping the bishop back to F1 to get it out of the way, have the rooks be connected, have it tucked back. That's a move I would have never in a million years made before because it made no sense to me. And now I'm like, okay, I get it. Do I do it wrong sometimes? Yes but I understand the idea and it's just like more ideas in my repertoire. I worked on my floor a ton and it's still so low and I need to work on that more. That's like, I feel like that might even be the biggest thing I need to work on. Uh, I worked on tactics. I did, um, what is it called from scratch? Now I can't remember like tactics from scratch. I did tune your chess antenna. 
I'm working on the steps method. So I really, uh, there we go. Chess tactics from scratch. Exactly. Love that book. And then I worked on my evaluation skills with the evaluate like a GM by Nate Solong and uh, Paralinsky. That I think that's his name. Uh, Perlstein. Perlstein. Sorry about that. Uh, that's a great book. Like it's so amazing because it just starts out really easy. It's like, here you go. Here is a, a very easy evaluation, and I get them wrong. And, I'm, and they're like, what? How'd you get that one wrong? I'm like, okay, guys, I'm bad at this. What do you want from me? So I feel like that was pretty good. Yeah, I um, I actually did the tactics from scratch. I have it on my desk here. That's why you uh, I showed it to you in the in the camera. I also did evaluate like a grandmaster, which is also on my desk. And I had the same problem with the valuation that uh it's like oh this is easy this is you know clearly favorable for black and he goes oh no 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 yeah it, it's dead lost for black and i go what do you mean it's dead lost i got this great bishop he goes yeah but your king's exposed and you're about to die <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i did like five of them on the plane today and i only got one right and i was sure on four of them i was like what do i know nothing about this game and they're like Yes, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you know. <laughs> so that was rough. I also played a lot this year. I played nearly every single week in our weekly tournament. I've played a whole bunch of big tournaments. So I don't know what the number of games is, but it's it was a high number, certainly higher than the year before. And you know, I'm pretty happy with that. I would love to expand it more, but it's just hard with the family to to do that. So I'm I'm kind of maxing out on the amount of games I can play and really trying to do that be vigilant so circling back to uh you said you were expanding your your candidate moves are mm. you seeing uh more of your opponent's moves too Ooh, what a great question no <laughs> i am really bad at my opponent's moves i've noticed that like oftentimes when i talk to my coach he'll be like i don't understand your move and i'm like well this was my reason. I go here and he goes here. And he's like, whoa, why would he go there? That's like his sixth best move. And I'm like, what? I mean, I see, I put it in the computer that it's not the best move. He's like, no, no, you don't understand. You shouldn't even thought in a million years he would play that. What about this move, which outright wins? What about this move, which is good positionally? You're just like, he calls it cooperative chess. You're play, you think he's going to play cooperative chess and just play all the moves you want him to. Well, bad news, Kevin, this guy's thinking also, and he's coming up with his own plans. And if you can't identify any of them, you're going to lose every game. And that's something I really struggle with. Like even in this tournament, there were a couple just stunning moments where people made obvious moves. And I was like, wow, I didn't even consider that on my radar. And now that he's made it, I can't even see another move to consider like that's how bad I am at detecting opponent moves, which is really bad. So yeah, I I did a, a camp uh, years ago that uh, Alexander Lenderman, Grandmaster Alexander Lenderman, was was teaching, and uh, he said something that stuck with me since then. He says you have to work as hard for your opponent's ideas as you do for your own. Yeah, and the sad thing is, I try. <laughs> That's the worst part. Like, I'm telling myself, like, yes, I've really thought about their move. They can only go here. And they're like, wow, 
I have like 10 other moves and they're all better than that one. <laughs> How about this one? Yeah, that's that happens a I, lot. I I did ask that because in the training games we've done after after the game talking with you, you go, I didn't even see that move. And I was yeah. like your coach thinking to myself, I didn't think I had any other move. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a new problem. I think that probably is the thing along with tactics that I need to work the most on is opponent candidate moves. I've gotten my own set of candidate moves to be pretty robust and I can I'll almost always have a top engine move floating through my head unless it's a super weird one. I might reject it for because I'm bad at evaluating, but like I see a lot of cool candidate moves for me. Maybe oh, check this out, Jay. What if uh, every move I would just get up and stand behind my opponent for a little while and be like, ooh, it might be weird. I don't know if that's even legal to keep doing that. You know, the, I, I've had people do it. <laughs> Maybe not every move, but they come stand behind me, and I'm like, um, excuse me. <laughs> that's my fault. <laughs> this is my side of the board. You're not a parrot. What do you think? Okay. Oh. Um, so, I say we talk about my goals for the year, if I had any. Yeah, I was about to ask. Uh, okay. We finished this year. What are we doing for the next year? Oh, yeah. Uh, let's talk about this year's goals first. So this year, I think I wouldn't have said this, but it would have been great to get to 1,800. I was, I was honing in. I wanted to play a lot more games. That was one of my big goals. You did. I, I wanted to work on my calculation. Um, and I just wanted to put in the work and I think I did all of those things except the results did, they kind of petered off there. Um, but I think I also found some new goals. I didn't realize my floor was as low as it was. I had really tricked myself into thinking that I was better than I was. Yeah. Um, so I think it was important that I, um, went there and sort of covered that well and I'm well as a reach started covering it. How about we'll say that. All right. Well, um, using that knowledge, what are you going to do this coming year? Ah, okay. The first thing is I need to bring up my floor. I think I need to find more ways to do it, though. I Last year, I did the Checkmate Patterns Manual, and that was great. Like There were a lot of patterns I didn't know. I think one way to do, I don't know if this is a good way or not, but I found that playing these three, two arenas and getting paired against really low rated players. I think that's going to help me get some like killer instinct going of like, listen, man, you just cannot lose these games. Killer Kevin. You have to play better. What was that? We got to bring out killer Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get killer Kevin going. Uh, I don't know if that's a good strategy or not, but it certainly only, revealed a lot to me when I started doing this. Only at the chessboard. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, another thing that I really need to stop doing is telling these narratives about rating improvement, right? Like, okay, if I win this last game of the tournament, it means this. No, it doesn't. All it means is you won a game. There's no narrative there about your arc or your trajectory. Just play the games, do the work, and don't attach some weird story to them. Everything doesn't need a story. Uh, the story can be written later. 
Yes, exactly. Write the story when you're done. Don't write it in the middle. And I think sometimes that kind of holds me back. I, I, I'm that guy that will be at the board. I have only found myself doing it once this tournament and I stopped it immediately because I was so annoyed with myself, but it was like, okay, I'm clearly winning. If I win, it means the following, right? It's like, I'm not as bad as I thought I was. I can hang with eight. I'm like extrapolating. I can hang with all 1800s. It's like, what are you doing? Just play this one game. It means nothing more than the this one game, you fool. <laughs> oh, it's so hard sometimes. Yeah, we we start telling ourselves those stories, and then we lose the thread of the game, and then that story turns into a nightmare. And yeah, and then even that doesn't mean like it means you lost a game. It doesn't mean right. you can't ever beat an eighteen hundred or anything beyond just simply. You lost the threat of that game, so stop doing that. Right. Yeah. <sighs> well, one game is going to define us. Yes, exactly. And as such, and it's it's so hard to do that, especially because often like that last game will affect your rating so much, right? Like if you lose the last game versus winning it, it's a huge swing. It can be like 30, 40 points, depending on you know who you're who you're playing against. And that that, that it makes it really easy to tell a story off of that. And all it is is one singular data point. A data point is not a story. It is a data point. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I actually use a tool to help keep me focused when I start to drift. Nice. I wear a ring, the, a fidget ring on my, uh -huh. on my hand when I'm playing chess. And I only wear it when I'm at the chessboard. And when I catch myself drifting, I start twisting the fidget ring to bring myself back. Oh, nice. I was thinking about slapping myself, but that might be kind of weird for my opponent. And, and that would probably work too. And it might even intimidate your opponent. So probably better than a ring. I want to see this next time. Do this film. <laughs> it would be shocking. The other person would be like, every not even just that person, everyone in the area would be like, What is happening right now? I resign. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that'll be a lot. Um let's see. Another goal for next year is to fix the drifting problem. What first of all, I have to figure out even what it what the problem is. I'm hoping just doing calculation work will kind of fix that. Cause I'm realizing I haven't been doing a lot of calculation work lately. I've been doing the steps method, which is kind of in between. It's like halfway in between calculation and puzzle. And I think I've been telling myself, Oh, it's basically calculation work. And it's really not, they're just puzzles. So I need to get back, I think to calculation and really hammer that so that I will drift a little bit less. Um, and then ratings goals, Jay, I don't have any ratings goals anymore. I just want to do the work and hope that the rating accompanies it and hope that over the next year, my sort of average is better than the last year and that there's some sort of upward trajectory. But in one year from now, if my rating is like three points less than it is now, I'm going to keep grinding and say that's part of the process. So final question then. Are you still enjoying playing chess? Yes. Unequivocally, yes. This is um, a very grounding part of my life. To Like knowing that I have a tournament game every Wednesday and knowing that I come home from 
this chaotic day that I've had and I'm going to study for an hour before I pick up my child and then I might get another hour later after the chaos of raising children. It's just such a calming part of my life, which I know is weird because I think for a lot of other people, it is the chaos in their life and it's very disruptive to their life. But I don't know, especially because unless it's a USCF rated game, I don't put that much stock into like my blitz rating and my rapid ratings. Maybe it's because they're going up generally. I don't know. Um, but I don't know. And, and studying is what I really enjoy. And I, I guess this is another thing I realized, Jay, is that I was spending a lot of time sort of on my floor, which is partially tactics. And I realized that I have to do what I like to do. And part of that is work on my ceiling. And even if my ceiling is already doesn't need work for where I'm at, I just enjoy it. So like mm -hmm. I picked up this book, Mastering Chess Sac is that what Mastering Positional Sacrifices. And it's good for me because I don't like to sacrifice all that much, but it's just working on my ceiling. It's very interesting. And that's what keeps me excited. I get kind of bored doing basic tactics all day. I need something that extends my knowledge, even if that won't produce results on the board. I still need that because it makes me excited then to do chess. And that at the end of the day is uh, the best thing. Keep enjoying it. And eventually, yep. eventually the improvement will come or, you know, the enjoyment is uh, the bottom line at the end of the day. Yeah. If no improvement comes, at least I've had this calming influence in my life that I've really enjoyed. I think if I just wanted results to be better, I should just, uh, for two hours a day, do chess.com puzzles between 1,400 and 2,000 and just do that for two hours every day. And I think that would give me personally the best results because I think that's where I'm missing the most are like the not super hard tactics, but the not super simple ones either. The like just in between the Goldilocks puzzles, those are the ones I'm I'm losing to. Yeah, I need to stop playing 28 moves like a 2400 and then the next three like a 600. <laughs> and they always come in bunches, don't they? Yes. <laughs> you're like, you blunder a pawn and you're like, I could still win this. But you just like then blunder a piece because you're all flummoxed and you're upset with yourself. And you're so mad you blunder check me. Yes, yes, exactly. So that's that's game one for me. Game one of this tournament was exactly that story. Yeah, I've been well, there recently. Hey, thanks so much for coming on again and helping me talk about another year in chess. It's hard to believe that this is episode 100. I still can't believe I've made it to 100. I've done a lot of podcasts in my days for various games. I've never come close to 100. That's a big number for me. That's uh, it's quite impressive, and I appreciate you uh, letting me join you for this special event, and uh, I look forward to the next 100. Wow, that's two more years from now, man. <laughs> Who knows if I'll be alive then? No, I, I hopefully. Oh, one more highlight from the tournament? This is going to sound weird, Jay. This oh. one person I was talking to, former person on the show, I don't want to name a name here, but this person goes, well, you know, at least you're only like 40. And I was like, wow, that's great to hear because I am much older than that. So that was great. <laughs> I'm going to get to be the kid at senior events at the end of the year. It's going to be great. 
People are gonna be like, "Oh, that kid showed up," and they'll be like, "I'm not a kid." And like, you are a kid, so it's gonna be fun. Well, I'm gonna have to get you out here to Charlotte, and we'll talk about that in another time. And uh, sounds great. We'll have some fun. And uh, thanks for having me again. And let's uh, hope for some more rating game. Yes, and for all of you out there, I hope this is that week where you go to the big tournament. And you gain 100 points. And if it's not, and if it's that week where you go to the big tournament and you lose 100, it's okay. Be press. It happens to all of us. Come back next week. We'll have another guest who will help you on your journey. And uh, I'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody.